0: what's up everyone welcome back to the backyard pitmaster podcast my name is charlie maverick and i'm your host to talk about all things grilling i'm glad that you can join me again today we are streaming live on all social platforms plus youtube have at it yes so how you been how was your fourth of july cook did you burn anything Did you impress the crowd? I hope you did. I hope you had fun doing it. We had some sketchy weather going on during the 4th of July weekend. But I hope that you were able to get out there, enjoy yourself, get on the grill, put some stuff on there, cook it to perfection, and impress the family and friends. You know, people were locked down for a long time. And it's about time to get back out get to know people again in person, get some good food from family and friends. And, you know, it's summer. So, you know, 4th of July was let's go to a whole bunch of cookouts, you know, like we used to do before the pandemic. And let's get some good food. Take some plates home. Yeah. So I hope that you had a blessed and highly favored holiday. I am glad that you are back to listen to me talk about all things grilling once again. If you would like to follow me in between the shows, please do so on Twitter, at Charlie Maverick. And if you like to support the podcast and the other podcasts on the Mavcast audio blog channel of podcasts, please do so by visiting the Cash app and using the Mavcast to send your patronage. I thank you for being loyal listeners, and we are back to talk about more grilling today. I know it seems like we are in the climate where things are so chaotic. chaotic. Viruses are still out there, but I hope you find something that gives you peace. And, you know, grilling is, is something that is a distraction that gives you peace. It's, it's therapeutic And then hey you get to eat good stuff right so here we go i cooked a couple of things over the past week and i wanted to share it with you really briefly it's not going to be a long podcast this time so a couple of things i did cook recently was a pack of thick cut pork chops got them from walmart like really thick it's probably a little over an inch thick, and I had some chicken legs. So, part of this story is going to be success, and part of it is going to be ugh, the agony of defeat. Man versus grill, right? So you're dealing with fire. It's unpredictable, but that's that's the great thing about it. You can learn how to pivot. And do things on the fly, control temperature, airflow, and all that. So you can get the best product possible without burning your food or undercooking it, right? So everyone knows by now, if you listen to the podcast religiously, that I have two Weber kettles that are my primary grills. Live and die by those two grills. I like the Weber kettle 22 inch because... Those have a whole bunch of accessories that you can get to make your grilling experience transform into something beyond just putting it on the grill grates that came with it and using whatever came in that box. You know what I'm saying? So it comes with two charcoal baskets and it comes with grill grates, of course, because you got to put stuff on there. I have two different type of Weber kettles. One is the master touch and one is, I can't remember exactly what the model type of it is, but one's a little bit taller than the other. It has upgraded grow rates So thicker and higher quality a little bit, but they're basically the same diameter across. I like to use one for hot and fast stuff and the other for low and slow. I mentioned accessories. I do have a low and slow, which is really popular with the YouTube community and the Grillmaster community. Pitmasters alike love that. Young and old, tenured or amateur, because it does help you regulate temperature for long cooks and it does help with the efficiency of your charcoal burning. So I do like that. I picked up a couple of raised uh grates like warming racks that you can just put on top of the grill grate that you already have and that allows you to have a little bit of more distance to the fire so you can put things like steak um corn chicken on there and put it over the direct fire instead of doing indirect like i usually talk about and and you can have a little more like a it's not totally like that but a santa maria grill you kind of want to raise it up from the fire so what it does is that distance allows you to get a nice kiss of smoke once the the juice drips onto the fire and it pushes the smoke upwards to the meat and it also lets you get a nice char on there without you having to worry about this burning if you walk away for a minute or so. So I like using those. They come in handy, I got two of them, and one slow and sear. So I use one for the hot and fast and one for the low and slow. So today I'm gonna be talking about the one I use for hot and fast. It's a nice little copper colored um, Weber kettle. That was my first Weber kettle. And actually the first grill I got when we moved into the house. I went through a couple other grills, but this one, yeah, it stands true, and a great thing I like about Weber kettles, they don't cost a lot, unless you get the one with, like, the table attachment, and, and the propane tank hookup to where you starts your fire for you without having to do other stuff, but you don't need that, you know, you don't need that, I like it because it's low cost in comparison, it's been around for a long time so they have perfected this over the years and it's something that you can hand down to someone else in the family once you're done with it as long as you take care of it i know people buy grills here and there and some people think it's an afterthought or some people go to the other extreme and buy really expensive grills and hoping that they last a long time like the big green egg Brick Green A is great. It's a great grill, but there is a liability with it because if you if it falls over because of some bad weather. I live in the South. Hurricane season is upon us. You just don't know. I mean, the thing is heavy, but you just don't know what would happen because a lot of them do come with wheels on it. But unless you have it like set up a certain way, it could fall over and break. The Weber Kettles are really nice in the way that they will last forever if you... Keep them maintained a little bit and they're easy to clean. They got an ash catcher just sweep it out, dump the pan, keep going. That's why I like them and they're versatile, very versatile. So if you're in the market for a new grill or, you know, your first one, try out the Weber Kettles. I'm telling you what is great about the Weber Kettles that I found and I had a Kamado grill Kind of like the big green egg, but not the big green egg. I've had an offset smoker back in the day. Well, I didn't have it, my dad had it. And I I use a bunch of grills, gas grills. I don't particularly like those. But this grill is something that not only beginners use, but you will see championship pitmasters in competitions using this grill this type of grill this weber kettle and win championships with them What if you want to know how to control temperature airflow and regulate the fire and learn how to really understand the science behind the grilling you know thing that we call grilling <laughs> you get that and once you master I, th- I think once you master a Weber kettle, use it in a different ways, just not putting burgers on the thing. Once you master the airflow and temperature control of the Weber kettle, I think you set yourself up for a win because you would understand how to operate most grills. And I said most grills because offset smokers and pit barrel smokers i would say barrel smokers because pit barrel is a brand but barrel smokers are a different monster they're different they have similar type of ways to use them but the way that you control the fire is totally different so you have to rethink but expand upon what you've learned from the weber kettle can you buy substitutes for the weber kettle yeah you could but just get a Weber kettle, man. I'm not really big into brand names. Not at all. But I will tell you, consistently, consistently, consistently. And it's all about consistency if you want to be a pit master. Because you can have some good days. Or you can have some really shitty days. But you want more of your days to be good days. And I'm going to talk about the mix of that today. You know, I'm not going to promote the Weber brand, but man, I'm telling you, it's something that those, those grills always deliver, always deliver. So today I talk about that thick cut pork chop and those chicken legs. See, you're like, all right, that's easy stuff. Charlie, get to some hard stuff. I'll tell you, I will admit two mistakes that I make so you don't have to make them okay I'll tell you about a success story first and then I'll end it by telling the failure <laughs> yes yes it is so beyond the grilling part cooking the food it's all about seasoning butchering the meat like cutting it trimming it up getting it ready for the grill and when you do poultry and both of these are poultry you want to have it set up so you have it seasoned right you want to have it dry enough so you get a nice crust on it but you don't want to get it too dry you know you want a nice balance and you want to get it on the grill so let's talk about the thick cut pork chop this is real easy i like the ones that i got from walmart because those are really thick pork chops And they are really juicy looking when you get them out. You're like really juicy looking how You can tell it's (laughs) raw. Yeah, I mean, whatever. You can tell if you examine the meat. If it's something that's going to be like, yeah, that's look like it's been sitting on the counter for a while. I don't know if I want to do that. But you still get it because maybe that's all left. And side note, there's a meat shortage out there. Yeah. So I got these beautiful, beautiful looking. Thick-cut pork chops. I've done thick-cut pork chops many times. So that's probably why this was a really good success. I got those pork chops, and I didn't overthink it. What I wanted to do is spray with some olive oil. Kind of get a binder on there. And I wanted to put some seasoning salt. Just being old-school easy. Nothing complicated. No rubs or anything. There's no rubs talking about in this episode i went old school with it easy peasy you don't have to go out and get the specific rub or make a mix of your rubs but just keep it old school put some seasoned salt pepper and some garlic powder on there easy right had that sit let it let it moisturize get happy you know see that seasoning adhere and soak into the meat then put it on the grill had a, a charcoal chimney full of pre-used charcoal. And what I like to do with the leftover charcoal from a previous cook is knock the ash off it and reuse it. Why would you throw it away? So I filled it up, lit it, let it get nice and hot, dumped it in, and then I put the raised racks on there, both of them. And if you use both of them at the same time, I'll definitely put a link so, you can see it on Amazon. If you put both of them on at the same time, face to face, you basically have a whole nother upper layer to your grill. Now, you don't want to get too complex with these and try to, you know, flip stuff like all willy nilly because they do come apart. They don't latch together, but if you put them together, they, they go together pretty easily and it looks uniformed. So, what I had was the pork chop on the cool side of the grill, because what I like to do still with cooking poultry is give myself a safe zone. I always talk about this safe zone. You don't want to get caught slipping and your fire's too hot and you got nowhere to move the meat, right? You want to have a safe zone. So you don't want to overcrowd you do not want to overcrowd your grill because you're not going to have a safe zone. You got to prepare for that, right? It's a little easier if you have something like an offset smoker. It's not direct flames. You don't have to take it off anything, but that's not for fast. Not hot and fast. So what I did is I put it on the cool side just to get a little smoke in it. And I started off with a mix of cherry and hickory. But I quickly removed it because I'm like, I don't know if I really want wood smoke in it today. You don't have to always have wood smoke. But it did soak in a little bit, just a kiss of it. Just just so you know it's there. But it it's not It's not asking to sit down on the couch and stay for a while. You know what I mean? (laughs) So go ahead and put that on there and just let that get happy. Then I put the chicken on. And I want to get these done around the same time, but I know they're not going to get done around the same time. So I put the pork chop on, let it come up to about 120 degrees Fahrenheit internal. And then I put it on the hot side. And that's where things got lovely. So I, I like to turn, rotate, flip, you know what I mean? So I can get nice grill marks if I can. And I want to make sure that it gets even heat. Now the thing you gotta, every, every grill, no matter what, has a cooler spot than others in certain areas. If you use charcoal, whatever you use there's always going to be a a cool spot because not every last piece of coal is going to be the same intensity of heat you know what i mean it's not burning the same temperature you have them spread out a little bit or pushed in the corner majority of them will probably congregate because you you put them in a in the area congregate towards the middle of whatever your whatever area so make sure that you move around if one is getting done faster than the other even cookie you know how to do this right so that turned out well i like how the when you when i put it on over the hot side but still a little raised from the flame i was very comfortable with leaving that for a couple of minutes to go inside and get a couple of things else. you know just just to make sure i'm keeping things going so A kiss of smoke from the fire helped the taste and get a nice crust on the exterior of the meat. And I maybe I didn't say this at first, but these were bone-in. Yes, they were bone-in pork chops. I don't like doing the boneless ones. I like to cook everything with a bone because you get another layer of flavor from the bone. You know what I'm talking about. You ever had a steak? And that had a bone, of course, and you ate all the way towards right where the bone is. And it's something different. It's something totally different in terms of flavor profile and texture. Once you hit the meat right close to that bone, no matter what you do, it's going to be like that because the bone does a couple of things when it cooks, it has a different type of heat radiation to that part of the protein to where it's going to cook more like dark meat rather than white meat. Even if it's from the loin, it's still going to do that because it's by the bone, you see that with chicken too, if you cook it a certain way and steak, you know, you get that most, the most tender part of that is right by the bone. So everything was looking pretty, 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 pretty. Just took it off and that was fine. Then came, well, Let me stop, because that's the good part. That was a success story. Ooh, it was great. I didn't have to do much with the pork chop. I just let it do its thing. And I took it off at about a temperature of 165. Now, I know you're saying, Charlie, didn't you tell us last time that uh, you kind of get it at 155? Yes, I did. But there is something I wanted to try out. What I like to see is different techniques do different things to accomplish the same goal. And then I understand, I understood with this, doing this type of test is a mixture of reverse sear and over open flame gives you two things. It helps you get to a nice temperature inside without drying the meat out. And it gets a nice smoke from the charcoal, even if you don't have wood in it. And then when you put it right over the fire, you get that kiss of the flame to get that crust going. So the, the internal temperature was a little misleading because when you do that, it's going to be a higher temperature than you just do you know, indirect cooking. Then putting over the flame like really quickly, you get those nice grill marks, but you're like right on the flame. What happened was it was still juicy as if I took it off and let it rest And it went to that 155. Still safe zone. But hey, you're coming into this place at a temperature that you're more comfortable with. I know some people are like, man, I'm not doing 155 on pork chop. That's undercooking it. I'm telling you, you can do it. It's fine. But it was at 165. Yeah, 10 degrees over what I thought. Because I didn't temp check it every last time I turned it. And the fire was pretty hot. So it, it didn't get away from me. I was just making sure that I got a nice crust on it. And what, what happened when I put it over the fire is it gave the internal temperature a higher temperature, but it still kept the juicy because every time the flame hit it, bow on the outside, I, you like how I do it? Hold on, hold on. Do you like how I do the whole special effects? <laughs> so when, when it hit the flame, And uh, the flame hit it and, you know, it kissed off of that. The exterior, it kept the interior juicy, even though it was at a higher temp. My wife and I tore those up. That was a success story. Now, after we come back, I'm going to take a short break. But after we come back, I'm going to let you know about the failure I had um that you may be able to avoid so hang around a little bit i'm gonna play a little music here if i can find my hip-hop background music and then we'll be back to talk about the failure with the chicken legs you like chicken legs man that's easy nah man hey sometimes we all have bad days stay tuned people stay tuned During this break, I would like to tell you about some people to look out for in the community and on the internet, doing great things. So if you're in Charleston, South Carolina, please hit up Daddy's Girls Bakery 2021 Reynolds Avenue Suite B102. They got some good stuff. Yeah, I got them Charleston Chewies coming again. Oh. Yes, and then my partner in crime and podcasting, it's Terrence P. L. Moore with his website brownsugarcafe.blog. He is an author. He is a poet. He is a podcaster now and all around great spirit of a person always speaking positive vibes into the universe. Oh, yeah. If you like to support the podcast channel, please do so using the Cash app and send those patronages to the Mavcast. All right. Oh, I like that. You like that? I like that beat. Yeah. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get into it real quick. Coming back into it with the podcast. Thank you for joining me on this live show. How's everybody doing today? All right. So what we talked about so far was uh, thick cut pork chop on the grill. It worked out well, right? <laughs> it was delicious. I didn't even need any applesauce. Man, if I had some applesauce with that thing. Oh, that would have been crazy. I would have been like, man. I gotta get another pack. All right, so now the good stuff's out the way, we get to the bad. <laughs> I'll try to keep this short. So, chicken. You know how to do chicken. All right, so I'm gonna just tell you the mistake that I made first of all. I wanted to try something out. Normally, what I do with chicken the day before is I do a salt water bath, or maybe just a brine, maybe salt, pepper, garlic powder and fill it with water let it sit there get happy or just salt maybe some pepper mixture of it whatever i feel like at the time so i would have nice flavor throughout the chicken i do this with any cut of chicken it doesn't matter even if we're gonna fry it or gonna grill it kind of want that salt water bath it just helps it right or you can do some type of buttermilk do whatever you want to help You know get that chicken tenderized and ready to go on the grill so what I did this time was I did a dry brine so all the salt none of the water (laughs) what I wanted to do is solve for a problem I had room for improvement to try to get chicken skin crispy and it's not hard to get chicken skin crispy but I kind of had it as an afterthought a few times recently and yeah, I had to fix that because when people eat chicken, even if it's grilled, they like to have the, the as crispy of skin as possible because that's where the flavor is, right? So I did a dry brine, had it sit overnight, a lot of salt and what i did is i washed it off pretty pretty well i washed it off pretty well the next day when i was about to get it seasoned up and cooked um and then what i did was put the same seasoning on the chicken as i did with the pork chop yeah seemed like a good idea but what i didn't remember and what i usually do remember is if you brine You got to take into account how much salt was already in contact with the meat before you seasoned it and don't salt it as much as you would usually do if you didn't brine it. So what happened was, (laughs) you figure out what happened. It was too salty. Now, the good part is when I, Put it on the grill, and the chicken legs are easy to cook. It, it, it's not rocket science. this it's, it's, I mean, it's not hard stuff. When, when you put it on, I, I put it on indirect because I wanted to get to a certain temperature before I put it on the direct fire. I like to do that, and I like to have my safe zone, and I was actually getting some corn on the cob ready to put on after that that I smoked earlier in the week. I like to use my corn twice cooked you know i like to have it in the husk smoke it while i'm doing some other stuff on the grill and then unshuck it season it up and then put it back on direct fire so twice cooked corn cob man that was great but back to the chicken um so the chicken took longer than the pork chop only because i wanted to get this crispy skin And I'll tell you a secret to crispy skin. So you don't have to really worry about things. And what could diminish the crispiness of your skin, of the chicken when you're on the grill. So remember I said that I sprayed olive oil on the pork chop? Well, I did the same thing with the chicken, with the same seasoning stuff. And um, I sprayed it throughout the cook. So even when it was you know, not ready to put on the direct flame, I still sprayed it. And what you do with spraying with oil, you could do any oil that can kind of take, you know, the temperature and it's kind of like a neutral oil, doesn't overpower you. you, can't taste the oil. What it does is it gives that skin the ability to kind of like air fry a little bit. And when I say air fry, I mean I, I do literally mean air fry because once you put it in that heat environment, it's just like putting it in an air fryer in a way because it's just circulation of air at a high temperature. And you want to cook it, you want to have your vents all the way open, the top one, the bottom one, all the way so you can have a high heat on one side of the grill because on the cool side, it's going to be about maybe 100 to 150 degrees lower in temperature because it's not over the direct flame yep so it was still getting crispy 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 down like i gotta put some sauce on it now sauce sauce will compromise the crispiness of the skin unless unless you put it over the direct flame a little bit and then keep spraying it just keep spraying it now how I correlated to do this, and I used to do this all the time, but I kind of got away from it. and that was my fault is um, when I use my air Turkey fryer, big fryer that, you know, oilless Turkey fryer, I sprayed a hell out of that thing. And you can't tell that it didn't come out the grease. So I wanted that same thing. So I put the sauce on, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, what there's two things I, I want to avoid. Once I put this on the direct flame is I want to, I want to crisp up the skin even though the sauce is on there but i don't want the sauce to burn you know because it has sugar in it and it was just it was um honey barbecue sauce no no extravagant mix honey old school just typical stuff you know sweet baby rays honey barbecue sauce put it on there kept you know layering painting 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 along the way before i put it on the fire but i wanted to put some more spray on there but right before i put it on the direct flame so it does do two things it helps crisp it up and it helps protect it helps it like gives a barrier between the sauce and the heat so it would lessen the the acceleration of the crispiness so it doesn't burn that sugar and you it's okay to have char on meat but you don't want to burn it because there's a difference to charring and burning. Charring is is getting flavor, still um, wanted flavor, from the contact from the fire and the protein that you're cooking. But you don't want it to burn, you know. You wanted to get that crispiness, so I kept turning, 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 direct over the direct flame, turning, 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 and it came out looking great. Some of the best chicken legs I I probably ever grilled in my life, with the technique and and the appearance of it. Oh, but lo and behold, because of the mistake of the seasoning. It was salty as hell. Oh, it's salty as hell. Man, I've never had chicken that salty. And I it was half a pack. I didn't cook the whole pack, so it wasn't a total loss, but it was half. And it hurt my heart to throw it away. But you know, it just it just and because it was a dry brine, I couldn't just rinse it off. There is this thing where you can rinse off <laughs> I hate rinsing off meat. Ah, it's one thing I hate, but if you rinse it off, usually you'll get some of that salt off. If it's on the exterior, it doesn't work when it penetrates into the tissues of the chicken. And then what well, you got, you got salty ass chicken. Now, I, I said all this to say that even pit masters have, you know, one of those moments to where you slip up and that's the humility i know you you hear about all these guys talk about the good stuff that they did i made this i made that i made this oh look at me look at me oh i'm great i don't make any mistakes i'll be transparent as hell to you i make mistakes all the time the thing is you learn from those mistakes and the crispy skin wasn't a the lack of crispy skin previously what i was trying to solve for wasn't it wasn't a mistake. It was a preference to have crispy skin. I don't really care about crispy skin because I usually don't really eat the skin, especially on chicken legs. And sometimes I pull it back and I, I just don't eat it. I, I was like that since I was small. However, fried chicken, that's different. If it's grilled or baked, I usually just discard it. You know, kind of like kind of like fish skin. If it ain't crispy enough, get it out of here. But it does protect the meat while you're cooking it. So even though if you don't like chicken skin, you don't like it crispy or whatever, chewy, then, you know, whatever. Now, I will tell you this, because during a couple of other cooks, I did realize that certain type of wood and the length of time that you cook with wood on top of the coals will make the i mean there's no coming back from a certain stage of when that smoke gets into the skin and it just turns to rubber and it's never coming back the wood that i definitely will not use if i do want crispy skin is post oak i love post oak i love the flavor it gives however it 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 makes the skin really rubbery My go-to wood of choice is cherry. I did have cherry in there when I did the other stuff, but it was more post oak than that. Hickory doesn't do so bad with that. It it gives you a chance to get it crispy again. Pecan, pecan, not pecan, but pecan also gives you a way to get back to the crispiness. But yeah, it's just one of those things you got to watch out for. But I will tell you, I will tell you people make mistakes all the time. You just gotta pivot from it. Long as you don't burn or undercook the food, at least you know you got room for improvement. Even sometimes we burn the food. You never know if you're in the middle of something, you get a bad phone call or important phone call, or if somebody comes to the door you're like, man, I ain't invite nobody. I ain't nobody anybody was coming through. You know? Or you know the neighbor or mailman would be like, hey, I need you to sign for something. You walked away long enough to have things go to shit so i would with that <laughs> with that have a safe zone all right so how's that for a couple of a success story and a goddamn failure it's one of those things i'm not ashamed to say i, I effed up the chicken man there was a couple of pieces i probably could have ate through and it was fine but nah you know i don't want to get like high blood pressure and all the high sodium and all this ah it's just like ah i could have used it in something else and just boil like cut up the meat because i do that a lot if i don't eat the meat by itself i usually cut it up and put it in something else i could have did that but i'm like nah i don't think there's anything that i needed to cook um in a you know like today tomorrow whatever that involves me putting those chickens in there i usually try to do that when i know we're not going to finish eating the chicken and i don't want to really freeze it but i don't want to throw it away but it's right at that day to where all right we, we got to make a decision is this going to get thrown out or not then i'll put it in something else i might stir fry eggs you never know what i'm gonna make <laughs> but yeah um it was a point of no return man it's point of no return is one of them things just one of those things so with that that's that's all we got today I'm glad that you were able to join me so you can hear uh, success and fail all in the uh, in the same breath <laughs> but if you would like to come on the podcast and talk about how much you like grilling come on and do it I promise I won't make you share video if you want, you can do that. I'm not going to get on there. But I want you to feel free to come on and express your love for grilling. Ask me questions. You can teach me something. I'm, I learn every, I learn stuff every day. I'm the type of person that I'll watch a YouTube video before, during, and after I'm grilling. Just, just tighten up the skills. There's always some techniques out there that I'm willing to at least research. A lot of them i won't do but have an open mind you can learn something from a, a, a seasoned pit master and i put this on twitter a seasoned pit master a competition pit master can always learn something new a backyard pit master can definitely learn something new all right thank you for joining me today and i hope you are blessed highly favored you guys stay safe out there because it's still virus but make sure you got that fire going and that meat tastes good. All right, later. Thank you for listening. This is the Mavcast audio blog, and this is the presentation of Backyard Pitmaster Podcast. I'll let you boy.